Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. I don't know what Ken meant by that, not being Pastor Chuck. I don't know if that was a good thing for him or a bad thing. And then he's saying that they didn't give us what we deserve, which I'm concerned about that too. I'm not really sure what we deserve <laughs> at this point. But uh, uh, I said a Pastor Appreciation Month is just a, it's just a weird thing for us. And, you know, I just want to thank you guys for appreciating us all the time. And it, it just means so, uh, so much to us. But I, I was laughing because um, Friday night I was sitting around a group at, at the game and I want you to know, they ragged on this pastor the whole game. And I told them, I said, I'm going to use your guys' names on Sunday just because of this, you know. But uh, I realized they were probably getting all the bad stuff out before Pastor Appreciation Month started, you know. So, uh, had a, been a busy time in the life of the church, as you probably noticed. Uh, we have a lot of great things going on. And I, I have to tell you, there's a lot of things that I get credit for that I have nothing to do with. And there's just a lot of people working behind the scenes that just do a tremendous work. And so you know that we've started Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and that's what the messages are focusing on. But last Sunday night, we had a big group here. We, you know, we were full of tables and small groups. We had the teens doing the same series as us, and then uh, we had all the kids practicing for the Christmas musical. So there was, well, we can tell there's about 305 people here last Sunday night, which is just incredible for what God's doing. But then also we had a uh, ladies <laughs> event here this uh, yesterday. And a bunch of ladies showed up for that. Almost 200 ladies showed up for that. And I mean, they had an incredible time and experience. And again, I have nothing to do with. Uh, but it just, it just happens here. And all the good reports I'm getting is just phenomenal. And so I want to say thank you to those who did that. And then last night, uh, DCS, which was our Dayspring Community Sports, they went over to River Valley and they did all their last games underneath the lights. And I have to tell you, I just want to thank River Valley for allowing us to do that because they didn't have to do this. We had a little, sort of a scheduling conflict and they allowed us to do that. I thought that was fantastic. And, and seeing all the kids out there and all the reports about that was just incredible as well. And then I have to say, like yesterday was busy day. And some of you, if you have kids in high school and they're doing all the homecoming stuff and man, it was crazy. So Rachel was over here helping with the ladies event. And then Chuck had assignments he had to get done. You know, like take kids here to there, pick up corsages. I don't even know what that was, you know, but I went and picked something up. You know, it just looked like flowers to me, but, you know. So I went going and picking those stuff up, and I, I think I did everything right. And then at some point when they were going through the girls' like hair and nail and dresses and all that stuff, I thought, you know what, I better go to bed. Because no one appreciates my humor right now, you know. So, so I went to bed. And I want to say to you guys, I know a bunch of you might be sleeping today. So we may have to turn some lights on you guys if you're checking out too early, okay. But a bunch of them went to the homecoming. And, and uh, we just want to say what a great experience that was for them. So today we're going to be looking at um, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 26 through 45. And this is part of, a, uh, of our series, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And today we're going to be looking at the idea of identity theft. And... <clears throat> When I was online, I found this story. It says, Ferdinand was an American imposter. And throughout his life, he acted in various professions, including civil engineer, sheriff's deputy, prison warden, doctor of psychology, lawyer, monk, etc. He disguised himself multiple times and was also known as the great imposter. One of the most popular incidents was when Ferdinand posed as a Navy doctor. 
He was acquainted with a young Canadian doctor named Joseph, and I might get this name wrong, but Sire. He picked up his identity and boarded the Royal Canadian Navy destroyer as a trauma surgeon during the Korean War. He was the only surgeon present on board, so everyone was expecting him to help the victims of the war. He successfully conducted surgeries on 16 soldiers. When he was asked to prepare, he went into his room and quickly read the textbook on general surgeries. When the news spread of the doctor's achievements, the mother of the real doctor, Sire, reported that Sire never went to the Korean War and was actually practicing medicine in Brunswick. Canadian officials were embarrassed to learn that they had an imposter on board and willingly did not press any charges on Ferdinand, and he was quietly forced to flee to the U.S. I mean, that story just amazes me, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I wouldn't want to be one of those people that uh, had surgeries performed on me. But I have to tell you, I also was a victim of identity theft. And uh, some of you know this story, but yeah, it was several years ago, and my family was in Tennessee, and I saw my sister-in-law's van, and it was parked there at Kroger's, and uh, she was talking on the phone, and I thought, I'm going to scare her, you know, because I felt like that's what God was calling me to do in my spirit, you know. So, so I quickly snuck over uh, to the van, which probably looks kind of funny now to think about anybody else that might be watching, you know, and I decided to duck underneath the window so she wouldn't see me. And I know some of you are thinking, did you really need to duck? I did, okay. So I ducked. And then at just the right moment, I jumped up and I mean, I pounded on that window and yelled as loud as I could. And the lady turned around and it was not my sister-in-law. I mean, that is identity theft if I've ever heard it, you know? And I tell you, I, I walked away from that vehicle, kind of went, <laughs> and then walked away and thought, you got to be kidding me, like, you know? So I think God loves that fun at my expense a lot. Uh, but according to a recent article I read, the past few years, identity theft has become responsible for $56 billion dollars and losses. Though those losses are bad, I really don't, they, I don't think they compare to the identity theft that the devil tries to impose on us. We're going to be reading about David today. And David wrote in a Psalms in 139 about how he was made. And I love this because in Psalms 139, 14, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know them full well. You see, church, what I think all of us need to understand is that you were not a mistake. You were not an accident. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And God gave you an identity. And your identity is uniquely you. Your identity is not me. You are not my identity. We were uniquely made for a purpose and a reason. And the devil tries everything he can to impose his own will on you. To, to discourage you, to make you think that you're not worth anything. And so today I want us to look at an example of, um, of David, and it's the story of David and Goliath, and many of you might be familiar with it, maybe some of you aren't. Pastor Dylan, you guys know Pastor Dylan, he's the big tall guy on staff, you know? He gave uh, a message on David and Goliath recently, you know? But I, I guess, I, I figured he brought it from Goliath's point of view, and I'm gonna bring it from David's point of view, okay? Because David was both small and handsome. So I think I got those two things covered today for you. So let's read together. 1 Samuel 17, 26 through 45. It says this, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? 
They repeated to him what they'd been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping the father's sheep. When a lion and a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine." Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept close, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give, you, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Let's pray together. Father, we love that boldness we see in David. But I'm even more impressed that David stepped into what you called him to be. I pray today, Lord, that all of us would be able to evaluate our own lives, recognize what you have created us to be, and that we are yours. I pray that in knowing that we've been created for your purpose, that we'll continue to minister and reach a world that desperately needs you. Today, Father, if I get anything that is wrong within your word, I pray that you clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only voice today they hear is yours. In your name we pray, amen. So this is one of my all-time favorite stories, you know, in the Bible. It's, again, cause, probably because I'm short and, you know, like the small guy getting in there and getting things done. But what I'm more interested in is that David came in his sort of own value and own worth and knew what he was going to do. And there were so many people that were trying to bring him down. And again, what makes me nervous about this, and I think what we can identify with is this, is that God has uniquely made you. And he's made you for a purpose and a plan. 
But the devil will try to impose upon you that you are worthless, that you have nothing to offer, and he will discourage you in every way that he can because he's trying to steal the identity that God created in you. You, We have to remember that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no accident here today. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And what I want us to look at today is what the devil may try to impose on you and how he might try to steal your identity. So let's, let's look at ways to avoid identity theft. First of all, I think it's important for you and I to know the voices. And what I mean by that is who are you letting speak in to your life? Who are you giving value? Who are you listening to, taking in what they are saying? In this passage of Scripture, and we're going to move through it pretty quick today because I couldn't hardly get through my notes today, so bear with me. But in this passage of Scripture, you have Dave that's coming. He said, look, why do we keep running away from this guy? Let's go, let's go knock this guy out. He's saying a bunch of stupid things, so let's take him down. And his brothers get a little bit angry with him. It says, Eliab, his brother, says, Dave, come on. You can see the little punk. You come out here telling us what to do. You haven't been out here in the bath. He's been saying this for 40 days. Look how tall that guy is. You can't possibly think that you can do that. Do you hear the voice of somebody right now in his life telling him that he can't do it? He says, who are you to think that you can do that? And so he challenges David. He says, look at you, you're conceited. And I don't know what David did in that moment, but it says that he turned around and he started speaking to other guys. But I have to tell you, there are people that have come in my life that have spoken things. And I have to take a moment where I have to either think about what they say or I may, and it may cause me to doubt. But what I found in my life is to value what people say. And not everybody comes in the right way saying things. But some people really have your best interests at heart. But sometimes it's hard to hear those words. You know, I don't think David's brother came in the right instance here. I mean, he said, you're conceited, you're this and that. But to some degree, what he's speaking to is truth. It's like, David, are, are you serious? Like, think about what you're saying. You're going to go and attack this big guy? And so if I was David, and what I've learned to do in my life is there are times when I have to stop and think. And there's a lot of people out there that I value their opinion. And I have to stop and think. There are times when my wife has to say, hey, honey, just stop and think about what you're doing. She doesn't say it like that, but it's the essence of it. I've had people come into my office even when we do certain studies, you have people come in and they'll say, they'll, they'll, they, they, they question things. And they mean no harm by it. But what it causes me to do is it causes me to stop and to think. And then I process what they're saying. And then I recognize their concern and the value in what they're saying. And then you say, okay, that is a true concern. So let's make sure we don't get there and do that. But there is a value to stopping and thinking. The struggle we run into is when we begin to doubt our abilities because of what somebody said. I mean, think of all the people that are speaking in David's life right now. His brother says, you're conceited. You think you can really do this? Saul says, hey, man, you're just a little boy. This guy's been training his army for his whole life. There is no way you can do it. And Goliath disrespects him and says, you're a little dog. You're a little handsome little thing. Come here, little boy. Then I'm about ready to put a leash around you. You know, and, and, and so everybody in him is discouraging him from fighting. And you can kind of come into that and you can begin to doubt your worth. And I know that there are many of us who have probably stepped in into that. There are probably at times that you doubt, should I have been a parent? Can I really do this thing? There are times when you're probably at your work when you doubt, like, do I really have the qualifications to do this? 
Because the enemy wants to speak doubt into your life. And even in this position as pastor, there have been numerous times that I have doubted and where the, where the devil has tried to have a word. He says, Chuck, do you really think you can do this job? Come on. You really think you can come after a guy like Pastor Steve? You think you can come after a guy like Pastor Dave or Pastor Beers? I mean, who do you think you really are? And I can listen to those voices and I can doubt. But I'm thankful for a God who steps up and speaks in. And God says, just as I was with Pastor Steve, just as I was with Pastor Dave, just as I was with Pastor Beers, I will be there with you as well. And church, I want you to know when God has called you into something, he will be there with you. And it's the power and the, it's the ability that we have. Secondly, those voices that speak in our life can be encouraging or they can be discouraging. And it's interesting because the brothers are saying, no, you can't do it. But Saul, after he hears David, says, okay, let's do this. You know, it's almost like he believes in him and he's almost encouraging him. And he says, take all my armor, which we'll get to in a minute. But it's important that you and I have people around us that will encourage us. And let me say this, they need to encourage you to do the right things. All right, because if I have somebody coming into my life and saying, Chuck, man, I really believe you should try out for the NBA. That's just insane. All right, this body was not made to be in the NBA. I get that, okay? He didn't make me tall, didn't give me ability to shoot, didn't give me the right attitude either, you know? So I get that. You know, if somebody comes in and says, man, Chuck, you should just take this mic today and the rest of the service just sing to us, all right? Man, you, you will be leaving as quickly as possible to get out of here. You'll be like, oh, I got something to do right now. You know, that's not who God has called me to be. So when people are encouraging me in those ways, they're not helping me out. But the people that encourage me in the right things have made me who I am. Because I have to tell you, early on, when I felt this initial call by God in my life to be a pastor, there was doubt. But when people in the church began to come around me and, I, and my youth would say, I believe God's calling you to be a pastor, that confirmed what God was doing in my spirit. And without that encouragement, I don't know where I would be. Even last week, I had a gentleman come up and say, God told me to speak this into your life right now. And it's a word of encouragement that just says you're on the right track. You're doing the right things. And I'm thankful for those moments when God is willing to speak in. Because the devil wants to speak discouragement into you. He wants to make you think that you don't have any value, that you don't have any worth. You're going to compare yourself to all kinds of other people and say, boy, if I only had their abilities, if I only had their stuff, God did not make you to be them. He made you to be uniquely you. And you have to step in to that calling of what he's called you to be. And we have to honor that. But the devil will try to discourage you in any way to make you think you are valueless, you are worthless. But God created you to be uniquely you. And you need to take a moment to let God just speak truth into your life and allow him to encourage you to continue forward. And then the third thing is this in that whole section. Do the voices help you believe or do they help you fear? And like I said before, those voices help me believe that this is what God called me to be. And those voices are going to speak belief into you as well. You see, we can come to places where we fear. And when we fear, fear stops us. And we can't move forward. And we just kind of get, you know, well, I, there's no way I can do that, you know. 
And David, I thought, everybody else was speaking fear into his life. But God still said, I believe in you. And David went with it. And I want you to know, whatever God's called you to do, wherever he's called you to be, he believes in you. And so you have no reason to fear. Secondly is this, value your position. So if you look at the rest of this sort of sequencing and what's happening is Saul begins to have this discussion with David and, and uh, he says, you know, who are you? Just a little boy. And David's like, man, I was a shepherd. And again, a shepherd's not like you and I don't think of it as like this big mighty person. But David went on to say, like, I, I'm a shepherd. You understand what a shepherd does? The shepherd protects the sheep. And I've had sheep that have had lions attack them and bears attack them. And I took care of them both with the help of God. Because that's what God called me to be. And then Saul does what? Saul says, well, and, and I don't know why Saul does this, but Saul says, well, let me put my armor on you. And David walks around that and he says, man, I, I never had an armor when I was fighting a lion. I never had armor when I was fighting a bear. Because that's not what God called me to be. This feels uncomfortable. You're trying to weigh me down. I can't step into this right now. Because that's not who God called him to be. God called him to be a shepherd. And he went out there and he fought those lions and he fought those bears and just the cloth and some of the stuff he had and he took them down. So I want you to know that you need to value your position. David valued his role as a shepherd. You need to value the role that God's called you to. If God called you to be king, then you be the best king you can. If God called you to be a servant, then you be the best servant you can be. You know, church, I have to tell you sometimes, and wives, I don't mean to get on you right now, women, uh, but, and, and this probably sounds sexist as can be, and I'm sorry about that. But there are times when I'll be around a table and we'll be talking about what we do. And, you know, say I'm a pastor, somebody says they're a lawyer, and you know, they just name all these different professions. And then you'll have one person, one lady that will stand there and say, well, I'm just a housewife. Or I'm just a mom. What do you mean you're just a mom? There is value in that position. There is just as much value in that position that there is in being a king because you're changing that kid's world and for the better. And so if God calls you to be a mom, you be the best mom you can be. If God calls you to be a housewife, you be the best housewife you can be. If God calls you to be a janitor, you be the best janitor you can be. Whatever God calls you to step into, you be the best that you can be because that's what God has called you to be and he'll be there with you. And so in this passage, what you have right away is, um, you know, does your position, is what I'm asking this, does your position enhance or weigh you down? So in the role of being a parent, which some, I mean, I remember early on thinking, Lord, you, you made a big mistake. Like this, I should never have been a father. Are you kidding me? You know, like, like and some of us walk into that and think, you know, mm, I don't know. And you can feel sort of the weight of that. But then I look and say, but if my dad could do it, then I definitely can do it, you know, because I knew, I knew what we had to work with there, you know. But you can kind of step into those things. So you can be enhanced or you can be weighed down. Saul, it seems like, was trying to enhance David. But what he really did is he was really weighing him down. And David had to say, this is not who God's called me to be. I can't step into your armor. And I don't know if Saul was trying to put his armor on there hoping that, well, if he wins, maybe I'll get some of the credit as well. I don't know. But all I know is David said, you got to take this away. This is not who I am. This is going to weigh me down. And there's too many people, and the devil will want to speak in your life, and he'll want to weigh you down 
with all kind of tasks and all kind of responsibilities. Church, I've been there. I've had people try to weigh me down and try to tell me this is who you need to be. And it's not who God's called me to be. When I initially took this position as pastor, there was a couple that was very upset about the change. And they came in and they wanted me to know. And by the end of it, I have to tell you, they had me in tears. Not when they were there, but they had me in tears. And I'll never forget it because it just, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But one of the things they said to me is this. They said, look, if uh, we don't see some of these changes, they said, we're going to leave the church. And they said, by the way, we tithe a lot. And I'll tell you, it bothered me. And I had to wrestle with that because it was during COVID. <laughs> and I was nervous about what finances are going to do. And then I remember God speaking to me to this. Don't worry about it. My bank account's bigger than theirs. And I have to tell you, we saw God do miracles in here that I've never seen. And again, it, you know, was there some truth in some of the stuff that said maybe? But God said, Chuck, that's not who I've called you to be. This is what I've called you to be. Walk into this. And I have to tell you, I'm thankful for a God that reminds us who we were called to be and how to step into that. Quickly through these next ones, I just want to say this. That does your position make you selfless or selfish? In other words, do you just think about yourself or do you think about others as well? And there are times in this job and there are times in your job when you're thinking, boy, if I could do this, maybe people would recognize me. Man, if I go into this job wanting to be recognized, I'll lose that every time. Because I won't be who God called me to be. He called me to be his child and I need to recognize the father. And there are times that we need to recognize that sometimes we walk into selfishness when we should be able to walk into selflessness. There are times that, you know, I may want to buy my stuff things, but I know that my kids need something. So the selflessness takes over. Why? Because I care about them. And there have to be times that we have to walk into that. Does your position help you seek the external or the temporal? And what I mean by that, it's pretty significant to me that if David doesn't go and fight the Philistine, there's a good chance the Philistines take over the Israelites. And as a result, they would be prisoners to them and they would start making them worship their gods. But David says, if I don't step into this, then we're gonna lose this temporal thing and it's gonna affect us for a long time, almost eternity. And people, listen, there are decisions that we make that I think mostly we focus on the temporal things of this world. But I have to recognize that some of these things, which Jesus says, he says, look, the devil's coming in to destroy to steal, to kill. He reminds us that things will rust away and that moths will take over. But he says the things that are eternal will be there forever. And so I need to recognize even in my own spirit there are things that I need to do that matter for eternity. And I need to bring my family and friends along the way. So thirdly is this, walk in confidence. It begins to talk about David, and David listens to Goliath. And I mean, his response is crazy. You know what I mean? I mean, he just mouths off to this big Goliath. He's like, you think you got it? I know God, and I'm going to destroy you. He's like, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm like, those are like big words. You know what I mean? Like, he's angering this guy over and over again. But in confidence, you choose one of these things. You choose freedom, or you choose captivity. And when you learn to walk into what God's called you to be, you will find freedom in that.
If you don't, you're going to feel like you're being held down, like you're being weighed down, like you're held captive. And the reason why is because that's not who God called you to be. Secondly, you choose whether you listen to God or man. Now, I want to say something to help you understand this statement. But to me, it's not as important who you are, even though identity matters. But what matters more is whose you are. And if you're a child of God, then you bear his name, which brings a lot of weight to it. And he promises to be there with you all the way through. And David chose that. He chose the name of God over the name of men any day. He says Israel is God's army. And then you get to either choose peace or war. And I thought that was interesting because David, I mean, David goes out there and you know, he kills Goliath. But what happens is he creates peace then in the kingdom. And I have to tell you, you choose when you walk in your identity. You choose peace. Because if you choose to walk in somebody else's other identity, or if they weigh you down, you're going to continuously be at war in your spirit. Because you need to be who God called you to be. Not who someone else called you to be. And there are times that I've wrestled with that church and I messed up. There are times I've tried to raise my kids in who I want them to be. But when I do that, I'm going to be wrong every time. And if you can bear with me for just a moment, this was a, this was a thing I was telling um, you before. But looking at my own life, um, I just had kind of this real moment with my wife. But I had said several weeks ago that God had called me, really, to just restore hope in Marion and restore hope in people's lives. And he's called me really to be a peacemaker. And there are times when people want me to step out of that. Even in, even in staffing, some of the staff will say, well, I think you need to tell so-and-so this. And you need to tell them this way. And I have to tell you, when I do that, I step into the worst of me. Why? Because that's not who God called me to be. You see, when we were preparing this message, uh, Pastor Alex and I were preparing it. And one of the things that he said right away, I said, what are you, what are you hoping people understand by the end of this? He says, I hope that people will learn to walk in the boldness of David. But I have to tell you, I got checked in my spirit on that one. And the reason why is because God doesn't call everybody to be a David. God doesn't call everyone to be a Peter. God doesn't call everyone to be a Paul or Saul who was killing Christians and then just sort of reverses the whole thing around. And because of just this dynamic speaker who's telling people the truth all the time. God doesn't call everybody to be those things. Because God created you to be uniquely you. When my wife heard me say something about a peacemaker... She said, Chuck, I, I believe that's true. And she said, but when you get home, when you talk with the kids sometimes, she says, you become very choleric. And it's not your best. And she was dead on. And that doesn't mean that I don't correct my kids. It doesn't mean that I don't have moments of truth with them. But what it does mean is I walk into that peacemaker identity. And I tell people the truth in love and in a different way. 
and I've tried to do that, I want to tell you that I get it right 100% of the time. No, no, no. Because I'm still struggling with that choleric side. But it's gotten better. And I'm trying to show my kids who God called me to be. God may have called some of you to be a David. God may have called some of you to be a Peter and to walk in that sort of boldness and that strength that you have. But I'm telling you, walk in the boldness that Christ called you into. Because God called some of you to be a Barnabas. And you just need to encourage people. Some of you God called to be Thomas. And you're going to question things. And that's okay. Just do it in love. God called some of you to be loving, to be caring. God has called some of you to be behind the scenes, making sure things get done. God has called some of you to be up front. Whatever God has called you to be, walk into that. You know why? Because when you and I walk into what Christ has called us to be, what happens is then the church becomes this beautiful body that God's called us to be. Because he has us all uniquely where he wants us to be. And I have to tell you, church, out of everyone here, I need a beautiful body. All right? Would you stand with me this morning? And let's pray together. Father, I just pray today that as we have worked through your word and understand it and understand that David walked into who you called him to be and he walked in with a boldness and boy, did he do a miracle. And God, I'm thinking about that last statement. And this is really my statement. But I believe that we will find our true identity when we are at our best and others are blessed. And so, Father, help us to walk into that. Help us to walk into our identity so that we will be at our best. We won't be at war within ourselves. And then others will be blessed because of it. Because of David's action, walking in who you call him to be, he protected a whole nation and he freed them. And Father, no matter what role you've called us to, I pray that we would provide freedom and care and comfort to those around us because we've walked in who you called us to be. So Father, thank you for meeting with us now. Protect us as we leave this place. In your name we pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for being here today and some of you will see you tonight and others will see you next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.